This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hey there, Jay Baker. How are you? Hey, I am doing great. I'm going to guess... This is another edition of the Adam Ridge Show. <laughs> That's you've uh, yes, you're on the correct show. I know you you've had a, an illustrious broadcast career, and sometimes you don't even know what show or what airwaves or frequency you're on. But yes, you are on the world famous public affairs show known as the Adam Ridge Show, and I'm your host Adam Ritz. So thank you again for taking the time, uh, John Oates. Half of the world famous John uh, Hall and Oates. I almost called him John and Oates. Hall and Oates. Uh, Likes horses. I don't, did you know that? I didn't know that. No. He uh, recently played a, a horse benefit. Uh, he posted about it on his Facebook page and uh, did a lot of uh, educational uh, content about the horse charity. It's called Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga, and their mission is to take r- retired race horses and they turn them into therapy animals for mental health programs. So how cool is that? Oh, that's good. Um, they uh, use them to teach uh, children how to ride horses, and uh, they use them for uh, veterans as well. Uh, therapy horses, and it's called therapy Therapeutic Horses of Saratoga. They had a recent gala event, and uh, John Oates was nice enough to perform at the event. Now, you've done a whole lot of charity events in your career. Have you seen any... Um, I guess, major recording artists at a a charity event like that? No, and that would be the surprise to everyone. I'm going to guess people were pretty amazed that he was there. Well, it's cool to have, uh, we talk about this all the time on the show, you double uh, double dip your uh, charitable donations with with a little bit of an entertainment value. So you know, just a simple example would be a, 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 a golf outing. You know, you like to golf, uh, join a golf outing for a, a couple hundred bucks. You go out, all the money goes to charity, and you get to play golf. So it's a win win. Uh, how about this situation? You like uh, you like music? You like calling notes? Who doesn't like man eater? Uh, you get to go see Hall, John Oates and, and raise money f- uh, for a great cause. So uh, I'm sure. Now, to- uh, you were saying that they take former racehorses and turn them into therapy horses, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I'm thinking the horse is probably benefiting because he doesn't have to run nearly as fast when he's, uh, you know, helping someone calm down. Correct. I mean, you think about <laughs> how hard you work as a professional athlete, and now you just get to hang out and uh, teach somebody how to ride you. That's that's an easy yeah. life from that point forward. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm trying to recall uh, um, a performance. I know I did. I did. I went to a charity event one time. The keynote speaker was Bruce Jenner. Uh, that was an interesting. Uh, event. Oh, that'd be cool. That was probably about 25 years ago. Uh, told a great story about uh, winning the gold medal for the decathlon. Uh, I know uh, Kenny Loggins famously tells the story when he performs at charity events. Uh, he when he sings the song Danny's song, where the right. chorus goes, "Even though we ain't got money, I'm so in love with you, honey." He says it's the funniest thing to play an event like that, knowing that everybody paid a thousand dollars a plate to be there, and they're singing, "Even though we ain't got money." 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rich That's people have the money. That's why they paid to be there. But uh, all these events, great causes, great entertainment value. Uh, if you're looking to uh, do something downriver um, to help out with the holiday season around the corner, maybe find out if there's a charity concert, some sort of Christmas concert, holiday concert, holiday event uh, with Thanksgiving coming up. There's food banks, uh, all, all that need your your help, your efforts, your, your charitable donations. Uh, maybe see uh, at the end of the email if there's some sort of uh, entertainment value that goes along with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we love these events where they creatively um, make it so that people want to give even more. All of a sudden, it's like, man, I was at this horse event and John Oates was there and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, the guy's written a big check and rightly so. Yeah, you get a ride side side saddle with John Oates. Uh, for That's an extra thousand right. dollars, who wants to pay that? And it's an silent. All of a sudden, there's a live auction to go ride tandem with uh, with John Oates That's on a horse. Did <laughs> they have the John Oates uh, mustache contest? You know, because remember we talked about that on. Didn't he do some event that involved people growing mustaches well, for charity? It, it was almost a year ago. He was the national spokesperson for Movember, and mm. that's where you grow facial hair to raise awareness for men's health and pancreatic cancer and uh he grew famously grew his mustache back and we neither one of us knew that he didn't have a mustache because he's so famous for his mustache well he cut it off years ago maybe a decade and a half ago and so he famously grew uh that mustache back for november and i don't know if he's going to be uh officially involved with that uh, next month we'll find out but i bet for sure uh he'll have some facial hair Absolutely. Hey, this is a kind of a sad note, but uh, an interesting note as well. This gentleman has always been my hero, and I didn't know the whole story behind him. His name is Charles Feeney. He's a retail entrepreneur and investor. He amassed a multi-billion dollar fortune and gave it all away. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, he passed away recently in San Francisco. He was 92. He died peacefully in his sleep, according to his website. The website was known as the Atlantic Philanthropies. He made a lot of his fortune in duty-free shopping. You know, we chuckle a little bit when you walk by the airport, and it's like, we have all types of colognes, duty-free. Yeah, (laughs) well, most of it's contraband i mean isn't it there's a lot of booze and whiskey and uh vodka it's it's called luxury goods it's called luxury goods adam now come on now luxury goods i'm glad to know his contraband sales uh went to a good cause he gave away a billion dollars billions of dollars yeah uh, all to charity his poor kids (laughs) yeah absolutely well he sold his shares to a french luxury goods conglomerate uh, and then took the money uh, from the, the proceeds of that and created his philanthropy. Uh, he was a proponent of giving while living. Uh, he, he said it's a lot more fun to give it away while you're alive than when you are passed on. He said uh, he, uh, he actually had a biography written about him called The Billionaire Who Wasn't. That's a cool title. That's I love yeah. this guy. You're right. He was he was the guy that created the and I've got to find this real quick. 
but he was the one that uh, signed on the pledge that was famously created by Bill and Melinda Gates and also endorsed by uh, our buddy Warren Buffett. Uh, he was, it, it's, it's known as, oh shoot, I, I don't know why I'm suddenly I, uh, having trouble finding this, but it's kind of a living pledge where you give away a significant amount of your cash. And Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett have encouraged the wealthiest families and individuals to d- dedicate their wealth to philanthropic endeavors. This man, by the way, gave away not only billions with a B, but he gave nearly a billion dollars to Cornell University because he was so uh, so happy to help people have even greater chances in uh, in education. So, I mean, the guy's pretty darn amazing. And uh, he, he just recently passed away, and I know I'm going on and on, but this guy was really one of my heroes. And I didn't know the whole story behind it. I, I really now am very inclined to read his biography now are you saying that he was one of your heroes because of this recent story or, or have you had you known of him uh, all this well, time i knew i knew of that bill and melinda gates and warren buffett had created a foundation where they encouraged the most wealthy of individuals uh to give away their fortunes and i thought that that was to me a splendid use of their money so oftentimes we're very aware uh, somebody stumbles onto a great idea or concept, makes a tremendous amount of money. Later, it usually just goes to family members. That might be good or bad, depending on, on how the family members use it. So it's not up for me to decide how you use your money. I just thought that it was interesting that Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett and Charles Feeney, who just recently passed away, were very dedicated to giving away all their money. In fact, uh, this note, Feeney gave away nearly $8 billion over his lifetime. Jeez, that's so amazing. Yeah, um, and I guess why I'm I'm furtherly amazed is, you know, it's the kind of thing where uh, it would be a difficult thing to challenge yourself to do that. I read a recent article not too long ago, and I'm sorry, I cannot remember his name, but the gentleman who created Five Hour Energy, the ubiquitous energy solution you see at the checkout at convenience mm-hmm. stores, and he made a, you know, as they say in the world, a small fortune. He too gave away about 60% of his net worth because as he said, I'll never be able to spend this and I want to put it in the hands of people who can benefit directly. Well, Jay, thanks to uh, my crack staff of investigative reporters, uh, I was able to locate what that uh, that pledge was was called with the billionaires and the wealthy people giving away, promising to give away their money. It was officially called the Giving Pledge. There you go, there the go. Giving and, Pledge. And, yeah, and, sorry, we, I couldn't find that. And we have uh, talked about that on past shows. Uh, in fact, you've brought it up several times. It's uh, amazing to think about this. The Giving Pledge, uh, I'll just go ahead and read what it is. A charitable campaign founded by Bill Gates and Warren Buffett to encourage wealthy people to contribute a majority of their wealth to philanthropic causes. As of June 2022, the pledge has had 236 people from 28 countries join. So, Well, that's what I, I, I think is really cool is, you know, it's kind of a unifying 
organization to encourage those that have a tremendous amount of money to give. And I, I really do feel that philanthropy is probably uh, a very altruistic uh, thing for, uh, for people. And, you know, not everybody's in the same frame of mind. I'm not sure if I had a billion dollars, I could give it away, but I find it fascinating that there are people who can. Well, I think Jay, we should try, let's try it out. Let's get a billion dollars each and see if we can give some of it away. I bet we can. Absolutely. Well, this week, Adam, uh, in the middle of the week, uh, October 10th, this last week was world mental health day, which is, uh, I, I think it something that we can all get behind. You probably saw several mentions in your social media during the week. This year's theme is mental health is a universal human right. And this is put together by the World Health Organization. They're attempting to organize efforts to support mental health all around the world. As you might imagine, you know, we're really blessed in some of the industrialized nations uh, to have uh at least the resources for mental health whether everyone reaches out or not but you could imagine when you think in terms of the world um mental health uh capabilities may not be available to everyone i'm sure uh yeah there's uh reaches of the planet where it's just not even an option yeah they're saying one in eight people globally live with some mental health uh conditions and an increasing number of adolescents and young people are affected that according to the world health organization so if you do get an opportunity to participate in an event or perhaps even donate some money think in terms of mental health awareness uh, because it is a genuine thing it is and and you bringing up uh this awareness day uh jogged my memory i should probably give you an update last show we talked about dental hygiene awareness month yes and uh, and i had a, a a dentist appointment the day we recorded the show so uh i'm happy to report to you jay no cavities not one i uh, oh good passed with flying colors uh but i uh, chuckled because my uh dental hygienist and the uh, the, the doctor that checked me out the dentist uh Neither one of them knew it was Dental Hygiene Awareness Month. <laughs> uh, and, and Dr. Mitchell did say, he goes, I thought it was in February. And to his credit, it, it pro- there probably is Dental Hygiene Awareness Week or Day uh, or a different name or moniker. Like this was October is Dental Hygiene Awareness Month. Maybe February is just Dental Awareness Month with no hygiene <laughs> well absolutely. Uh, maybe it's just molar month i don't know but there's just <laughs> so many month. there's so many darn months days and weeks uh, of awareness that uh you're there's a good chance there's something going on somewhere th- the day that you're alive well and it's good too that we do increase the awarenesses of some of these things because they do affect you i know uh mm-hmm. i have been at two events and they say you know how personal is this cause and one of the events that I was at uh, as a young man, they said, look to your left, look to your right. Uh, one of the three of you will be affected by r- some form of rheumatism in your life. And it was a, a rheumatism walk and you kind of go, wow. I mean, that really hits home because you're looking at somebody that may need somebody's help. Right. Yeah, that does hit home. One out of three. 
Two-thirds of Americans 65 and older admitted they'd wish they'd taken their health a lot more seriously when they were younger. Uh, this is a really great point. Uh, as you probably know, you can't go back in a time machine and go, you know, I should have taken better care of myself. For, absolutely. A- absolutely. And, um, you know, there are times when I go to the gym and work out even when I don't want to. And, uh, you know, we joke that, you know, you, you're going to the post office because you're going to go mail it in when you're not even really going to yes. try that hard. Uh, but they'll say, you know, fake it till you make it, uh, mail it in, at least go. It's, if, even a half effort is better than sitting on the couch doing nothing. And I always remember in my 20s, which was a long time ago, I had a, uh, a friend that was a personal trainer who told me that when you go to a, a, a gym, a, gymna- a health fitness club, or, or do any sort of health and fitness activity, it's like going to the bank. You're putting money in the bank for your retirement. And that's what you're talking about, Jay. When you turn 65 or older, that's when you start cashing in the money that you've been saving your entire life in the form of health and fitness. So, Yeah, that's I, well put, actually. I do believe two-thirds of, of Americans over the age of 65 wish they could go back and, and take a little better care of themselves, for sure. Yeah, this research was done through a Medicare administrator, and they said that 86% of seniors uh, will now take their health more seriously than when they were younger. So obviously, it's exactly what you just said. Think of it in terms of a savings account for your well-being. So not a lot of seniors have health or fitness-related goals necessarily, but they do know that uh, these are sort of the main areas that pertain to those over the age of 65. Uh, You should try to exercise more often, drink more water. Uh, They do suggest taking vitamins, but that's something you should probably consult with your physician. And then even getting more sleep can be helpful for those that are 65 and older. Use it or lose it. Jay. That's right. Uh, here's and, a little uh, a little tip. Not that I'm uh, you know in any stretch an expert on this, but uh, here at the at the studio, uh, our studios are on the second floor of our building, and we do have an elevator. And every day I take the stairs. And now I know good. it's only one flight of stairs, uh, but occasionally this is a five story building. Occasionally I'll take the stairs up to the fifth floor. And then come right back down to the second floor. Okay, I, I should probably do it more often than I do, but occasionally I do it just to get another couple of stairs in. And again, putting money in the bank for you know my retirement. Uh, you use it or lose it. So anytime Absolutely. you can. Uh, uh, here's you know I, I got a, a couple of summers ago. I got a new car. Well, it was new to me. It was used, but uh, I got this new vehicle that I didn't want all scratched up. So I found myself parking farther away from the front door of any building I'm going to, and, which not only saves on dings because I'm parking in the you know in a parking lot with nobody surrounding my car because I don't want them to ding my car, uh, but I end up walking at least twice as far to get inside the store. That's yeah. That's good. That's a good thing. So anytime you can get a little more activity uh, for any reason, even if it's just a few steps, it does all add up uh, in your bank account, so to speak. Absolutely. There's a new study from Cowan University found out that working out three days a week is the new magic number to actually sort of see results. 
three days is the minimum to improve strength. Now, if you're specifically strength training, they do recommend that you work out five days a week. But this is kind of encouraging news in light of the fact that most people, A, are not very excited about working out, and B, a lot of times, depending on how busy you are, it's hard to find time to work out. I know, Adam, you like working out, but uh, I know there's times I've been around you and you'll suddenly look at your watch and go, oh my gosh, I got to drop everything and go work out. Yeah, and it's I do enjoy it, and it's I enjoy the convenience of it as well. The building I just spoke of, where our studios are, there there is a, a workout facility on the first floor of the building, so I can just sneak away from work, go do a quick fifty five minute workout, and I'm done. Uh, I I do admit, if I had to drive twenty minutes to go to a, another facility, I I'm, I might not do it. <laughs> I might yeah, not, I might no, not do absolutely. it. Absolutely. So yeah, with a hectic schedule, it's good to know that if you do get out and about and work out three times a week that at least you're doing yourself some good they say it's the new magic number you know jay since we're talking about um working out i I do have a little bit of a personal story to share that i think could help um i about a month ago well maybe it was about six weeks ago now i hurt my back and it wasn't severe i just strained it i was working on my deck in my backyard and i moved this big giant board and it was too heavy and I didn't bend from the knees and my you know I sort of strained my back a little and the very next day when I went to work out it was um you know I find out it's a heavy squat day with weights and like an idiot I went ahead and did the full weights not really knowing or remembering or recalling that I sort of tweaked my back just the day before so by the end of that workout my back was fried uh right. it, it really hurt and it took about a month for it to feel better and I did take time off and I didn't go work out and I just I walked slow through my neighborhood instead of going for runs uh, and I thought it was healed well lo and behold just this week I go work out and I, I did a full the full effort 100% heavy squat day heavy weights guess what I hurt my back again Oh my. So now, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm in, it's not severe pain. I'm not, you know, nothing terrible's happening. It just it just hurts enough to bother me and hurts enough to know that I I shouldn't go work out for a while. So I think the uh the moral of this story is if you get a little tweak, uh you pull a little hamstring, you get a pain in your shoulder, uh there's no shame in taking a few weeks off to make sure that thing heals. Because no, if you get back correct. to the gym too early, you're going to retweak it and re-injure it, and it's just it's just an, I feel like my back is going to be a, a never-ending pain here for the rest of the year because I I don't want to all of a sudden not go to the gym for a few weeks and with Halloween and Thanksgiving coming up, gain a, a quick twenty pounds, and then I'm just going to be in the you know the screwits. And when, no, when you you're... when it's cold in winter, the dead of winter, and you've got the screwits, that's when all of a sudden it's spring and you've gained fifty pounds. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely correct about that. But point well taken. And uh, the bad back thing will really throw you off. I've been dealing with some back issues this year myself. And yeah, it's uh, it's no fun. In fact, as you well know, in the midst of it, you're always thinking, man, what I wouldn't do for a magic wand, you know, uh, voila, your back is back to normal. Enjoy. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm 53. There, there's no point in me picking up heavy weights to do squats. There's no, there. What am I going to try out for the New York Jets? I, I mean, come on, seriously. Well, I, I need and, to take it a little easy. And I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger not too long ago. He has a new book out 
Uh, and it's been funny. I've caught a couple of different interviews with him. And he talks about his early days in the gym and his obsessiveness, which obviously made him one of the greatest bodybuilders uh, in the history of bodybuilding. But yes, you're absolutely correct. You do not need to, quote, get shredded like Mr. Universe. No, I don't need that. And my back doesn't either. (laughs) No, absolutely. Your back will thank you as it's on its healing journey. Americans with a college degree live longer. This was kind of an interesting story. I kind of thought, well, that makes some sense. But this is a new study conducted by Princeton University. So I figured these guys know a thing or two. But they say that earning a college degree could have more of an impact on your life than you might think. A study has found that Americans with bachelor's degrees live an average of eight and a half years longer than those without. That's a pretty significant number. Unless you majored in trapeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wait, okay. Unless did, you majored in something incredibly dangerous, did, did you, uh, you're, it's going to add to your life. Did you say eight years? Eight and a half wow. years longer. That is, I mean, that's significant. Quite, yeah, absolutely. That's why I brought that up. They said the uh, study found that that lifespan gap between graduates and non-graduates has been widening over the years, expanding by four and a half years since 2010. So that's why I brought it up. Not only is it significant, but it's been significant. Uh, it's it had a significant increase just in the last you know, 13 years or so. If you asked me uh, before you told me uh, who has the longer lifespan, uh, I, I might even be inclined to guess people without a college degree because I would assume uh, a lot of them are uh, in physical uh, manual labor jobs, which is good for you. You, you know, you get a lot of physical right. activity, which would make your life like we were talking. You're putting money in the bank for a longer life. Uh, that, I, I'm I'm a little surprised that it's not not more even, and really surprised that it's an eight and a half year gap. Yes, I am with you on that one. Researchers say that college educated people live longer because now this is this going to sound like duh, they make more money. But that gives them access to better health care and then healthier lifestyles, because uh, as much as I hate to report this, healthy lifestyle is a choice. Yeah. Sadly, healthy uh, lifestyle choices are expensive. Um, You know, yes, they are. We're talking about joining a gym, a fitness, uh, fitness gym, even Planet Fitness is 10 bucks a month. I mean, that's. Uh, to a lot of people, ten dollars a month could be is, is a make or break. Uh, that's a bill you can cut to save ten dollars. Um, and also food, uh, you know, the the healthier food, leaner meats, they they cost more. So the junk food and the fast food and the junk food in the store that go across the conveyor belt at checkout, uh, the cheaper it is, the worse it is for your uh, life expectancy. That does make sense now. Sadly, the uh, the food that you describe is so much more delicious, but I'll, <laughs> I feel like it's a conspiracy and I want to check into it. You're right. You're right. A good, a good French fry is so much better than a, than a good piece of broccoli. Yeah, we're going to finish up with a story that uh, it may not save your life, but it will make your life a lot better. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past about 
murder hornets and militarized bees and things of that nature. Well, now there's a new, new danger, a snail that is dangerous to humans, but not native to the United States has found its way into our waterways. Uh They're called apple snails. Well, that doesn't sound too evil. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And you think a snail, you could probably easily avoid a snail. And you probably have never seen a film where giant snails attack anyone. Correct. So, you know, that's the thing. Usually, like Sharknado would keep you out of the water because it's a shark in a tornado. Two incredible dangers. Yeah, snail NATO. Think of a snail NATO. Snail NATO didn't really take off with that that manuscript. wasn't bought by any major studios. (laughs) But the apple snails, which almost sounds like we made that up, are native to South America. The first known population of apple snails is now in North Carolina. The aquatic snails frequently carry parasites, which pose a lethal threat to humans who come in contact. Uh, with them if eaten raw or undercooked by people or animals the apple snail can transmit now here's the key phrase that makes me worry about this the brain attacking organism so which is and it can also lead to meningitis so it can actually attack your brain well happy halloween everybody uh well absolutely uh, you can have your brain attacked by apple snails that sounds like the uh, origin story of our next uh monster movie uh starring your favorite zombie all right jay thank you so much for scaring the heck out of me with your apple snail story uh if you'd like to hear this episode again or any of our recent shows they are online in podcast form on our website adamritzshow.com The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.